Welcome to the SEO Leadership Podcast. The SEO Leadership Podcast is a show that features some of the highest performers in the SEO industry and beyond. Our goal in this podcast is to dive into the strategies, disciplines, and mental models of leaders who excel in SEO and beyond. My name is Graham Bargeron, and I'll be your host. Thanks for listening in. Well, I'm thrilled to introduce you to our leader case study for today's episode, Chris Dickey. Chris is the founder and CEO of Visibly, a brilliant idea turned into a successful software company. Visibly marries SEO and PR to give customers an idea of brand visibility in external search engine results. One thing that you need to know about Chris is that he has absolutely mastered the art of PR. While the majority of his focus is on Visibly right now, he has been successfully running his own PR agency, Purple Orange LLC, for the last 12 years. Combining that wealth of PR experience with an equally as deep well of knowledge related to SEO, and packaging that up into intuitive software makes for an interesting set of decision-making frameworks and leadership experience that I'm looking forward to exploring. Chris, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So Visibly focuses on search engine visibility, not just SEO. What did the problem solving process look like for you that led you to realize the need to look beyond just SEO? Yeah, thank you. So just to back up, and you mentioned that my background is in public relations, and I'm actually an owner of an agency. Um, Years ago, we started recognizing that our most successful PR hits um, over and over again were not the ones that were just in a beautiful publication or in a magazine or something. They were the most successful PR hits for the ones that were bubbling up to the top of search. Um, And where we went with that was how do we do more of that? How do we track it? And um, how do we how do we share this with our clients? And how do we share it with other people as well? And at the end of the day, there is just really a lack of tools in the marketplace for identifying where brand existed beyond your own website and search. Um, And there's great tools out there for for advertising there's great tools out there for seo we use them um however if you just wanted to ask a simple question and i was asking myself this question um where does my brand exist in search where are customers interfacing with my brand in search how do customers discover my brand in search um that question could not be answered with any marketing tool set today and so that's effectively where I was approaching it from was understanding it from this third-party publisher's perspective, which is PR, um, but more than more than just PR, um, it also happens in e-commerce. It all ha- also happens in affiliate. There's a lot of third-party conversations. This also happens in, in people also ask in like Quora and places like that where brands may show up and you have no idea that it's there or how to even manage that process and that journey. So that's really what we're trying to address with Visibly is looking at the page content behind every single link on the first page of search, not just the metadata and the URL. So with Visibly and thinking about how to get this idea off the ground, with the concept of an MVP, minimum viable product, how did you go about determining what that MVP should be? Well, I 
so I started it off as, as a practice, you know, and so I'm an agency person. We developed this practice in house. We refined it. We tested it with our clients. We did, we did the process manually. And that is this, this auditing of SERPs. And then we understood what was, you know, where those pain points were for us as, as account managers and how we needed to present the information to clients. And so that helped us kind of refine our KPIs that we wanted to present. Um, and then, from there, I, like I said, live in Wyoming and Wyoming is pretty hungry to diversify our economy. <laughs> we're, we're very focused on tourism and, 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 and energy. And um, so they were providing grants for anybody who wanted to start basically diversification with the emphasis on tech. And so I said, well, I have this idea, there's nothing, nothing to lose. I'll just throw my my name in the hat and we won it. We won one of the grants. It was uh, for $50,000. So not a lot of money, but you know, that's, it's just a check with no strings attached, which is really kind of gives you a lot of um, mobility. Um, and so we went out and got a small team of engineers and we put together, we started dividing, you know, figuring out what this looks like and identifying kind of our problems. And we built the MVP and we got something that worked and we, con and we, um, confirmed that it was that we were original and we were doing some stuff that hadn't been done before. And we were able to get a provisional patent filed and things like that. And then once we had this thing that worked, we could share it with, other people and they could actually see that it's no longer just an idea in my head, but here's, here's the, here's the flow. Here's what happens. Here's the data that you get out of it. Um, then we had something meaty that they said, okay, we'll give you so much money to take it to the next level. And so we, we finished a seed round, um, with angel investors, um, in, in February of last year or of this year. So felt feels like last year, <laughs> it's been a long year. <laughs> As I'm sure you're aware with your agency work, there's um, a very static marginal cost to the uh, the value that you can get out of consulting or agency work, right? Like you get you have one hour that you can give to a client. It's hard to scale. It's hard to scale. Whereas, like if you invest one hour in something like Visibly, then you can sell that potentially a thousand times, which means you get a thousand times the value from that one hour. Yep, that was exactly why I went into software. I mean, it was just the frustration of not being able to scale the agency and the agency does well. I mean, it was more just the, the frustration of where do I go from here? You mm -hmm. know, I've, I've taken this, this ship is pretty, as far as I feel like I could take it, you know, with, a, and it was just very incremental gains with the agency. Um, and software felt like number one, I tripped upon this thing that nobody was talking about. And I felt like had potential, had huge potential. And I was like, and I just kept, I spent literally two years looking for the solution and demoing software and, you know, looking all over the place for like, how do we automate this? How do we, there's gotta be somebody answering this question um, and found out it didn't exist. And then I just had those wheels turning in my head thinking like, how would I do this? <laughs> and um, what does this look like? And, and how can I transition the agency to a place where it can run itself? Um, so I have, I don't have any kind of trust fund or anything. So it's like, sure. how do I have this? How do I have an income stream that's like reliable and I don't lose my shirt in the process, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so uh, that's where we are today. And it feels, it's been a lot of work, but um, both, both are really in good places.
And what are some of the unique challenges that you experienced as you transitioned from full-time agency work to ultimately being the founder of a software development company? For anyone who is listening, who may be interested in doing something similar, what did you learn in that process? <laughs> oh man, I'm still learning. Um, but you know, it, that's a big conversation. I, it, fundamentally, I'm a marketer. I'm not a software person. I have no engineering background. Um, so that was the biggest hurdle at the beginning was understanding the tech stack that we needed to develop and could we develop it? And what does that, what are those, what does that look like? Who do I need to bring into the team to build this tech stack? Um, so that was the biggest question. And then I think number two was just identifying the KPIs that we really wanted to bring to the table here because they're different KPIs than I think SEOs typically think about. Like we were really, really interested in channel. This is the multi-channel approach. It's not just your own website, but as everyone knows, the search is just a very multi-channel place. There's all sorts of stuff that is not relevant to what you're trying to do. How do you sort through it and create clarity and segmentation within the SERP? And so we had to build an AI that did that for us and classified and identified and organized the websites. So a PR practitioner could go through and say, I want to look at just the PR results for these 200 keywords. I want to look at just the affiliate results for these 200 keywords and just extract all those and grab that data. Um, so we had to build that. We had to build, we had, we, we recognized that share voice wasn't a good uh, KPI for us um, because that doesn't really tell you who you're reaching. Um, rather, we had to identify, oh, really what we want to look at is share of click. How, where are the clicks distributed on the page? And how many of those clicks are driving or pointing toward content that includes my brand or product or service? So then that kind of led us down a big rabbit hole of identifying um, the click-through behavior of different people depending on the cert features present. And so we had to you know, uh, do a massive project around that. Uh, so it's, it's, it's been, there's been a lot of challenges along the way, but we've, I think, come up with a pretty good solution. I'm pretty proud of. You mentioned that you aren't an engineer or developer by trade. Are there any resources that you found were helpful in building your tech savvy, even if you weren't doing the execution of the tech work yourself? but things that you may have found that helped you talk to developers or data scientists who have worked with you along the way? Yeah, so the number one thing was networking with, with my existing group of friends and colleagues, people who I knew that were in the tech space and picking their brains and asking them what we needed and, got the, and getting their experiences. And you know, we were able to have a lot of really meaningful conversations in layman's terms. Um, and they could just tell me, this is possible, this isn't possible, here's how this works without getting into uh, a bunch of jargon. And, and so for a long story short, like over the last year and a half, I've turned into a product manager. <laughs> I have no experience in the space, but because this is coming out of my practice as a PR person, um, I had to drive what the UX looked like, I had to drive what the tech stack needed to be, and then people helped me um, deconstruct what we needed from there. So with all of this experience from leading your own agency to uh, morphing almost into a product manager, as you said, uh, as you're the founder now of a software company, what would you say comes to mind first when you think of what makes a good leader? 
You know, great question. Um, I'm sure that depending on who you ask, there's lots of different ways that you can define leadership. I would say that in the marketing space, in my in, in the context of, of of leading an agency and now leading a software solution, it's trying to understand where this is all going and looking around the corner and embracing change and helping other people embrace that change as well. Because change is always tough. Uh, people get used to a way of doing something and it works and why break it? Um, but we know we live in this incredibly transforming digital landscape that um, you know I think there's a likelihood that in the future, Google will no longer look at backlinks when determining SEO. You know, they're going to look at contextual page content. And, you know, recognizing that sooner than rather than later as an SEO or as a PR person, recognizing, actually swallowing a pretty hard pill and saying, our PR isn't working like it should. Um, our, it's not reaching the audiences. It's not having the engagement. We can't measure it. Our, we're not, it's not doing what it did 10 years ago. How do we adjust our PR to meet the needs of a 21st century landscape? Um, and then landing in this interface between search and PR, that I guess that's a leadership position, but it's it's just a curiosity and it's something that we have to do. Um, and I think something that good leaders do is just really constantly challenge um, where we are today and where we need to be. I love that. And I couldn't agree more the need for a leader to look around the the bend and see what's coming next, embracing that change. So digging a little bit deeper into that, are there any strategies that you have found uh, or learned along the way that you've employed that help you look around the bend to see what's coming next in the PR or SEO industries? I think the biggest strategy that I encourage everyone to think about is be aware of your silo, you know, and we get stuck in the, in, in, and, you know, and this is and this is just tribalism, right? This have we can talk about politics all day long if we wanted to, but um, in marketing, we are so um, kind of relegated to a silo and in a stack that we're very familiar with, and everyone is talking about the same stuff. And you don't unless you step out of it and you start looking at the challenges of somebody else, and you know who's also on the marketing team, or maybe it's on the sales team or or the tech team, and understanding how these pieces really are supposed to connect and fit together, their challenges. And the way that they're solving some of their challenges might really be an interesting insight on something that you should be doing or you or you see coming um, and you're like oh boy we have to adjust for this before it hits us what book would you say has influenced your leadership style the most there's a book that I read a while ago. I'm I'm I live in Wyoming. I, I play a lot outside. Uh, I read um, Yvonne Chouinard's uh, uh, "Let My People Surf." Um, he's the founder of Patagonia, um, and he's he describes he's a self-described reluctant businessman, right? Um, and anyways, he's somebody who. I think has just been very flexible, allowed, stepped back at the right times to let other people who have the skills take his company forward, but has maintained, um, you know, I think a culture that is inc- that has become incredibly important to where we are today with, with business, and you know, that is empowering your employees and making people feel very valued and recognizing that they have a life outside of work. And doing this in a way that actually creates a lot of motivation to be an outstanding employee. Um, and so as, as a business owner um, and living in 
Wyoming and recognizing that people want to spend time outside and they also want to work and supporting both sides of that, um, that, that life is, is, I think that's been an important piece for me. I love it. We'll include a link to that book in the show notes for anyone interested. I know I am, I'm a huge reader and I have not read that book. So I will absolutely be diving into that. Chris, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for joining us and best of luck to you with Visibly. Well, thank you, Graham. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening. You can view our show notes as well as reach out to us at seoleadership.fm. That's seoleadership, all one word, dot FM. Whether you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or whatever corner of the internet that you find your podcasts, please subscribe so that you don't miss any of our future episodes. That's it for today's episode of the SEO Leadership Podcast. My name is Graham Bargeron. See you next time.